0: Hello and welcome to Pop DNA, the podcast that explores the historical and literary influences in your favorite works of pop culture. I'm
1: Rhonda. And I am Erin. and Welcome to the first installment of our three-part summer series. Ooh. Lit Richer oh. Summer. I feel like we're the only ones who like really enjoy The mine. world is excited about it, Rhonda. Today, we are talking about Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice yeah. and its influence in popular culture. So if you haven't already, you should go check out our commentary. For the 2005 film adaptation It's true It's really fun You it's can really find good. it um, Just wherever you find our podcast On our website Spotify, iTunes, wherever
0: Yeah Wherever you want to go We would give a spoiler warning But this is a story that's been around for over 200 years So honestly, it's it's your own fault if you don't <laughs> know it Guess what?
1: Lizzie and Darcy, they get together What? Boom! Mind no away. Oh, and also wow. the Titanic sinks <gasps> Right? But, you know, we might also talk about Mm -hmm. spoilers for newer works because, after all, we're talking about the influence that Pride and Prejudice has had Mm -hmm. in current works in the now times as well. So, I mean, I guess fair warning there.
0: If you don't like um, spoilers, then maybe listen to this after you've listened to everything
1: listen to our (laughs) watch everything everything. in existence in the world and then come back yeah yeah just to be safe
0: yeah just in case if you're one of those like oh my goodness I'm not making I'm kind of making fun of you
1: but that's okay so Rhonda what was your first (laughs) um experience my first experience with Pride and Prejudice so I um I think we're very caffeinated. Today. I think we are. <laughs> we have ha- just had cheeseburgers and, and, and some coffee and mochas because there's a place that delivers that has cheeseburgers mm-hmm. and mochas. So of course we're gonna have So both. obviously. Anyway. Anyway, so <laughs> um so my first experience with Pride and Prejudice, um Well, should we start with, like, our first experience with Jane Austen in general? I like that. Because Mm -hmm. my first Jane Austen experience was the 1995 Emma movie starring Uh Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh Uh, My mom, like, took me to see it at the theater. And, I mean, I was, like, seven years old, so I don't know if I, like... Really got it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember, like, just kind of like the general impression of like sunny and light and airy, uh-huh. uh huh? Like that was kind of like the aesthetic, yeah. Um, and then, um, the first time I read Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. um, let's see, I was in high school. I think I was 15, I was fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. Um, and a friend of mine actually, um, recommended the book to me yeah smart friend yes very yeah. smart friend I owe her a debt of gratitude um thank you Jamie um <laughs> um and it was funny because I remember her like seeing her reading it and I was like oh what are you reading and she's like it's Pride and Prejudice and like I had heard of the <laughs> book yeah, of like course. I knew what it was I knew that it was a classic yeah. I knew that it was like super old and I was like <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I want to read that because old books are that. boring. <laughs> She's like, No, 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 no. You have to read it. And so yeah. and so like, I don't know, maybe like a month later, I went to my high school library and checked out a copy of Pride and Prejudice. Aww. And I remember the librarian was so sweet. She was like, Oh, sweetie, you have <laughs> no idea what yeah. you're in for. Oh, I love <laughs> that. So cute. And then I read the entire book in like two sittings oh yeah. Like, yeah yeah I just like yeah zipped right through it and I remember I was like drinking Pepsi and eating a bagel at the time that I, <laughs> I love that very like clear memory but what about you
0: Erin I I love how food the psychology nerd in me loves how food can really like be a huge part of that memory um I actually my my gateway into Jane Austen was also Emma first through um Clueless obviously oh. And then th- I read All of Emma, um, and then read Pride and Prejudice. I think I was 17 or 18. Um, we went to New Zealand for a month, and it felt very Jane Austen, just like being in the countryside and um, all of that. Um, and, and then obviously the movie, the, the 2005 movie, I've seen a million times. Um, As have I. Oh, it's so good. Go back and listen to our commentary, guys. It's so seriously. good. It's so good. Very insightful. And like, yeah, I think this is one of those ones where I saw the the things that had been influenced by it far earlier than I saw the actual um, original um, or read the original text. But I, I loved it. I also obviously saw a million productions of like nerdy high schoolers doing Pride and Prejudice, the play, the
1: like weird play that they made out of it. Um, that's so that's so funny that you saw high school productions because I saw a production of the stage play at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival which was like like you know of all places right Um, but it was like very well done obviously because Everything they do is great.
0: Yeah, um, In all the ones I see, <laughs> everyone talked like this. And like, was, hello, governor. Hello,
1: I'm 15, and I'm trying to be Jane Austen or something. That's, that is funny, though, because when I was in high school, I was in a play <laughs> that took place in England. Yeah. And so we all had to yeah. do English accents. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we were all terrible.
0: Hilarious.
1: It's so, so funny looking back now. Yeah. So that's kind of my intro to it nice and then um have you seen the 1995 miniseries with uh Colin Firth yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. I I feel like there's like a lot of people that's kind of like their definitive Pride and Prejudice sure um uh, but I have a funny story about that because uh uh let's see I think it was the summer after I graduated from high school I was I hadn't started college yet And I think I was working, like, really, really part-time. So I had, like, nothing to do. So (laughs) I, I went to the library and I checked out... Like all six VHS tapes <laughs> of Aww. the 1995 miniseries, That's and I brought it home, and my mom and I watched the entire thing in one did. night. Like we watched the first tape, and then like we started it at like nine at night, which <laughs> like yeah, and then like the first one is over, and and we were like, do you want to watch the next one? Yeah, Should sure yeah, we do the, yeah. next, do yeah. the next one? like like just one more, one more, Aww. like in, like on in Portlandia, Portlandia where they're watching yeah. Battlestar Galactica. Um, <laughs> did you find yeah. a
0: Jane Austen in your community? who had written like to write, oh the yeah, next to installment. write to
1: write the next installment of Pride and Prejudice. Like we need to go find her. We yeah. get some local actors who can <laughs> talk like this. Yes. Oh dear! Great, great, great. Well, speaking of Jane Austen, hey Jane. Ooh, I love you. Yeah. You're the love of my life, my inspiration. It's true. My partner in crime. You're the wind beneath our wings. <laughs> We sound a little, uh, a little bananas right now. We but, are eight um, minutes in and we are off the rails. We are. <laughs> An expression Jane Austen likely would not have understood because rail travel had not been invented yet because she was born in 1775. What a segue,
0: ladies and gentlemen.
1: (laughs) In uh, the town of Steventon in Hampshire, Uh, which is in England. Um, She was the second daughter of the Reverend George Austen and his wife, Cassandra. So her older sister was also named Cassandra it was like Lorelai and, and Lorelai oh my goodness <laughs> um so she was very very close with her sister and that close sister relationship is really reflected in her work in Pride and Prejudice yeah and in Sense and Sensibility as well yeah um and then she also had six brothers oh yeah lots of okay. kids lots wow. of kids cool. um <laughs> so as a child um, Jane Austen loved writing. She wrote lots of stories and she, I think she also wrote like little like plays and scenes yeah. for, for her family to act out together. Sure. Um, um, so all of those writings are collected in, uh, the juvenilia, which oh. I actually have a copy of if you, if you want to borrow it. Last time I borrowed a book reading, you,
0: you got it back a year later. So that's true. That's true. It's, it's but I
1: mean, as long as, you know. As long as you enjoy it, like... Aww. I'm, <laughs> You're the fairy book mother. I, I'm the book fairy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, in about 1795, so when she was 20, she wrote a novel that she called Eleanor and Marianne, which oh, uh-huh. became Sense and Sensibility yeah. later on, and then... From about 1796 to 97, she wrote a novel that she called First Impressions that was uh-huh. later published as Pride and Prejudice. Oh, interesting that that yeah. was, I can see
0: that as a first title the for The First this. Impressions, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> so a really, a kind of an interesting tidbit about her life in 1802, um, so when she was, what, 28? Uh, or 27, she received a proposal of marriage from a man called Harris, big Wither. It's a fun Ooh. name. Um, and at first she accepted, but then the next day she, she changed her mind. That's and huge. She, yeah. Um, Actually, if you've seen uh Becoming Jane yeah. starring uh. Anne Hathaway <laughs> that details it perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like a super accurate portrayal of her sure, life, sure, but sure. um and then yeah, and she actually never married. Wow. Um so Pride and Prejudice was her second and most famous novel. It was published in eighteen thirteen. Wow. Um, the first one was Sense and Sensibility and that was in eighteen eleven. Okay. And then there were two more, Mansfield Park and Emma, were also published in her lifetime. And then Persuasion was published posthumously in 1817, along with Northanger Abbey. Sure, sure. Um, which had been actually written in the 1790s, along with her other early works. Yeah. Um. And then she died on July 18th, 1817. Ugh. She was 41 years old. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I just... That takes such guts to like in this day and, in that day and age to not to decide to not get married. That's like huge. That's really wow. She was a really strong lady. Yeah. Wow. So, if we are talking about a story recap, so we meet the Bennett family. That's kind of our introduction to this whole world. We meet the just this eccentric little family that you fall in love with right away. You meet um, Lydia. And, oh my goodness, their names just popped out of my head. Rhonda, what are the...
1: <laughs> Jane. Jane. Elizabeth. Uh-huh. Mary. um, Li- Oh, Catherine, but Kath- she's called Kitty. Kitty and Lydia. And Lydia.
0: Okay. That's what I was forgetting for some reason. So... So Jane and Lizzie are the two older sisters, and they have a bond. And then there's Lydia and Kitty, who also have a bond. And then there's Mary, Mary's so lonely, who's kind of just her own, her own little sheep there. Um, and I, for me, the story is always really about a small town community, or a, not even a small town community, community, but like a small community that everyone knows everyone else's business, um, mm-hmm. specifically as it relates to marriage
1: and dating and all of that. So that's like your entire world. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's your life's mission.
0: Yeah. So that's kind of the opening question in this whole story is how is Miss, Mrs. Bennett going to get her daughters married off and safe and secure um, in that. So we meet several different suitors. I think we meet, um, we have that initial meeting with Mr. Darcy and Mr. Bingley who, Mr. Bingley is immediately smitten with Jane and Miss Mr. Darcy and Lizzie kind of get into their little their little comeuppance with each other. They're a little not um spoiler. They don't jive no. together very well. But they do not get along well. No. And then the whole story kind of follows how all of the sisters kind of find their way to happiness or find their way to stability, um, in the sense of kind of family, but not, I I feel badly. I don't know how to explain. (laughs) I've had a lot of coffee today. I believe that Rhonda could recap this story a lot better. I'm going to give it over to her.
1: Um, so yeah, no, you're, you're doing great. Um, (laughs) so I'm very abstract,
0: you guys. Right, right,
1: right. So psychology um, has made me abstract. (laughs) So we also have Mr. Collins in the mix, who is,
2: <laughs> who I hate is him. um
1: a cousin of the Bennetts. He's I don't I don't they, I don't know if they ever explain exactly how he's related, but he is the closest male relative right. of Mr. Bennett, the dad. So that means that when Mr. Bennett dies. Mr. Collins is going to inherit their house and all of their estate and everything. So that means that they have to get the daughters, at least one of the daughters, married to someone rich enough to take care of them when their father dies. So that's like the main motivation for Mrs. Bennett trying to get, you know, her daughters married to like rich guys because, you know, if they like... Honestly, if they don't, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen to them? They'll be really Um, bad. Yeah, so like the stakes are very real. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, in Austin's style, she makes light of it (laughs) very very expertly. Um, Which I bet if you were writing this...
0: When she was, I bet you'd kind of have to for your own right sanity, right, make light of it because it's pretty terrifying it is. and it feels like you don't, don't
1: you don't have agency. Yeah, exactly. They you don't have agency and many. that's why it's so like revolutionary. Yeah. So throughout the course of the novel, Mr. Collins proposes to Elizabeth, which Miss Mrs. Bennett is like totally on board with that. She's like, yeah, then Lizzie would be, you know, when Mr. Collins inherits, then Lizzie would be like. The mistress of our house, like yeah, she could, she'd you know, have it, um, but Lizzie, but she refuses him, yeah, which you know is really a very bold move on Lizzie's part, yeah, because she's basically saying, I, you know, I'm giving up the mm-hmm. the opportunity to stay in my own home and to protect my sisters exactly, and whatever yeah. might happen, um, and take care of my parents as they right. start to get older, yeah, um, and then we also have uh, Mister Darcy. Um, Proposes to Elizabeth as well, mm-hmm. and she turns him down. Yeah, which is like even more. Yeah, cause like Mr. Darcy's super rich. I don't know if we. Said I don't it, know I if we've mentioned it yet, but Mr. Has Darcy 10, has the a money year.
0: ten thousand a year. You guys, it was a lot back then. <laughs> it was a lot because, as Rhonda reminded me, he doesn't make that. It just
2: comes he just to has him. it. He's just yeah. like, hey, and look, and ten thousand. Kind of like
1: does whatever he wants with his yeah. time. Yeah. And well, I mean, he probably maybe has like, like. I don't know like books to look over or something. yeah like probably, the ledgers for the yeah for the I don't know you'd for the taxes like, yeah who knows Furrows <laughs>
0: his brow and sits at a table and does something yes. important <laughs>
1: um we have just really this is great you guys Frankly, are you still there
0: <laughs> if we don't receive an AP English degree or it English score. I already have an
1: English degree. (laughs) Well, if
0: I don't receive an English degree after this, then I'm shocked.
1: Okay. So just to speed this right along. So after Mr. Darcy's first proposal, Elizabeth is like, no, I'm not going to marry you because you're a horrible person. And you did this to my sister. So Bingley and Jane, he basically like convinces Bingley to to you know stop pursuing yeah, Jane
0: because he doesn't think jane's into it
1: right um and then um and then there's also the thing with mr wickham so uh-huh, like, mr uh-huh. wickham um was this guy that elizabeth was maybe kind of interested in before but she finds out that he and darcy have kind of a a, a bad history with each other yeah. and she thinks that darcy has you know done something really bad to Mr. Wickham mm-hmm. um so after she refuses his proposal he writes her a letter explaining everything that happened mm-hmm. he says um no what actually happened with Mr. Wickham is that he tried to take advantage of my family yeah. and my sister um and I you know like had to you know step in and and take care of that situation yeah. and so now that's why he hates me basically yeah um. So Elizabeth is like, oh shoot! I really oh, messed I that really up tonight. Um, yeah. <laughs> so she goes back home. Um. And then, um. A couple months later, she's traveling with her aunt and uncle, and they're visiting Darcy's house. Um. Because they don't know that. Like they think that he's like away from his home, but it turns out he's actually there. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> so then that gives them a chance. Um. Now that Elizabeth has kind of like cooled off and like processed Mm -hmm. those feelings that gives them a chance to reconnect. And she starts to kind of see him in a new light. Um, but then she gets a letter saying that her, her youngest sister, Lydia has run away with Mr. Wickham who she knew was bad news. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that part is still hard for me to like digest. It's awful. It's tough. Yeah. Um, and so Mr. Darcy finds out about that and she's like, oh no, now, now like nothing's ever going to happen between me and Mr. Darcy now because our whole family's reputation is ruined right? because of what my sister just yeah. did. So Lizzie goes back home again, but then she finds out that Lydia and Wickham have gotten married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's still like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, and then she finds out that it was Mr. Darcy who found them and basically paid Mr. Wickham to marry Lydia to save yeah. her reputation. Yeah. yeah. And so then he comes back. Uh, Mr. Bingley proposes to Jane and they're happy. Aw,
0: Bingley. And Mr.
1: Darcy finally, like, proposes to Lizzie again and she's like, okay. And then it ends happily. Yeah. I feel like that was a way longer recap than it needed there, to be. So much <laughs> happens in this story, so much you guys. Happens. It feels like nothing is happening, I, but there's really, there's a, a lot. lot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I was planning to talk just a little bit about Jane Austen's influences. because yeah. It's, imp- it's kind of, uh, important to kind of understand where she was coming from. So, um, so she read a lot of novels, um, as you know, as a child and as a teenager. Um, and so when she was reading, you know, like the late 18th century, the novel was still a very new form at that time. Right. So the works that she read were kind of the earliest examples yeah. of novels. Um, and most of them would have, if they were novels about, um, young women, they would have followed the marriage plot. Sure. Which is what Jane Austen writes. Yeah. Or wrote. She's, She's not around anymore. She's still around. We'll find her. She, yeah. Maybe she's like in Portland or something. Yeah, she'll, um, she's in Portland <laughs> in a coffee shop. It's fine. <laughs> um, so the authors that she would have read would would have been um, like Frances Bernie, Mariah mm-hmm. Edgeworth, um, Anne Radcliffe, um, who all wrote. So Anne Radcliffe wrote like gothic novels and then um, Bernie and Edgeworth were... Not quite in the gothic vein, but right. still that kind of you know young woman finding yeah. her way in the world kind of a kind of a plot, and then and yeah. ends up marrying someone at the end of the novel because sure. that's how it had to end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's just like talk about the marriage plot a little bit. I I love it because I think this is kind of important to understand yeah, totally. when when trying to understand Jane Austen.
2: Yeah. Um, oh my
1: goodness. Yeah. So Austen. Um, took the plot template that was available at the time yeah. for a novel about a young woman which was uh, yeah. you know the marriage plot like that was what you it was the life was the- <laughs> template really it was <laughs> right the, yeah just i mean that water was, women's experience right the only way i think uh-huh. we talked about this in the gilmore girls episode but like the only realistic way that it could end happily for the female heroine yeah. is for her to get married yeah and um, you know Unless, you know, she inherited a fortune. but Sure. Um, <laughs> Still waiting for that to happen to me, by yeah, the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> um, so she took this template that was available to her. And she injected her own sense of humor and yeah. her wit and her very subtle rebellion against that social norm. Totally. In her own way. Um, And in this way, they're kind of, I think Jane Austen's work can be seen as, like, very subtly kind of Mm proto-feminist because mm -hmm. she has her heroines, like, they all end up getting married, but it's marriage on their own terms. Yeah. They choose the person that they marry. Yeah. And, you know, in some cases, they, they choose to marry. Like right. They could have chosen not to like yeah. Lizzie does several times. Yeah. She's like I'm not going to get married if yeah. I'm going to hate the person i married yeah. to. Like that's what she's saying. Which
0: again, huge, huge. deal. Yeah, yeah. Huge.
1: Um, <laughs> I really loved this article that I found from the Atlantic um, Sophie Gilbert. So she's um, it's, it's almost kind of a like, uh, kind of personal essay but it's yeah. also kind of exploring the marriage plot in Jane Austen um, but I really love this quote she has no one did more to challenge the conventions and strictures of marriage for women in the 19th century while simultaneously enshrining it as the ultimate happy ending for her worthy intelligent and independent characters oh I love that yeah and that's kind of just perfect <laughs> It <laughs> perfectly perfect. sets it up um, and you know, we can, uh, we can kind of see Jane Austen as, you know, she kind of, um, alludes to this, that like Jane Austen kind of reinforced that idea that marriage is the only option for women. Yeah. But like, it's kind of a catch 22 cause she really didn't have yeah the choice yeah but to reinforce that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. like to publish a novel at that time where a woman ends up alone and that scene is like okay yeah and that you yeah know, that that's a good thing for yeah. her like that would have been like scandalous like it wouldn't have been published right
0: so, yeah um because who was making those decisions about publishing
1: was mostly guys it was you all know? guys yeah yes. it was all dudes <laughs> it was all all well, the dudes and even like Jane Austen herself didn't talk to the publishers it was her brothers who right who would like to negotiate that for her so right yeah just it's really
2: yeah it's an interesting
1: time um <clears throat> but uh that's uh kind of a serious topic yeah but let's talk about so we know why. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about why Pride and Prejudice is still like relevant. Yeah. But why do we still love Pride and Prejudice? Yeah. Why do you think we still love it, Erin?
0: I think. I mean, there's something to it's. It reminds me of like the Beatrice and Benedict much
1: ado about nothing scene. Oh, scenes. sure, sure. For Han Solo and Princess Leia. uh
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. There's something about that, like, crackling dialogue between two people um, as they kind of play with each other with these witticisms Um which I always find appealing, that word play in conjunction with another person who there might be also that romantic chemistry with. That's some of my favorite stuff, like like the Luke and Lorelai's, you know, all of that. Um, and I think that'll, that's always such a part of so many courtships that I think it's something we're still relating to.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so just as a side note, uh, the fact that we have like, Fairly frequent articles discussing Jane Austen in popular publications like The Atlantic, yeah. USA Today, that just shows how popular and relevant Austen and her work still are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about this um, throughout. But um, we uh, over the weekend we had our book club, our fancy book club, and we decided that was the perfect opportunity to. Ask some other readers Since Pride and Prejudice is so popular And it was Classics Month in our book and it, club It was, it was so, Classics Month It's kind of perfect. perfect So we asked some members of our book club To tell us some of their thoughts On and, Pride and Prejudice And we loved what they had to say And here they are right
2: now Alright <laughs> So that's fine So part of the reason that Pride and Prejudice is the best Because I feel like it is arguably the best
1: I mean, okay. Yeah. It's the most popular. It's the
2: most popular yeah. is because the characters, you have like you have two characters that and, and if you're the kind of person that likes that snarky character, you fall in love. And, but if you're the kind of person that like doesn't like that snarky character, you've got her sister.
3: <laughs> and yes. so you
2: you like okay. deal with her snarkiness because you remember that she's like there like standing up for her sister and like fighting for her sister. So you've got this like weird pre-frozen scenario where they like save each other right but then you've also got this like really pretentious guy and if you were into that really like bad bad boy (laughs) quote-unquote pretentious (laughs) guy there's that for you but then but then there's also his his buddy Bingley right and he's that again nice guy that you like you know, bring uh, home to mom. So you got the same the foil to to weird. the sisters <laughs> in the friends, right? And then you're like you're you're kind of just waiting for things to happen. Like yeah. if I don't like I've read it several times, and it's like the first two thirds of the book. I'm just waiting for the good part to happen. Sure. I'm like waiting for. Yeah. I'm waiting to like exhale. Like all right, let's let's exhale. let's get this like party started yeah. jane <laughs> and then like there's a moment kind of like in shakespeare mm-hmm. where you've got the the multiple pillars and like d- the division between like comedy and tragedy uh-huh. yeah you get to a point in jane's novels where everything just occurs
1: yeah
0: like uh-huh. it's
2: there's a lot of like, like a, a lot of like waiting it's kind of like when you're watching Something happen like you know, like a dog asleep. You 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 know that like all it's gonna take is like one noise and the dog's gonna like wake up and then immediately <laughs> there's gonna be like movement. That's how it is reading Jane Austen novel. Sure. And just waiting for the other shoe to waiting, drop. Waiting, yes. I love and the that. shoe when it drops,
1: Lydia is a giant shoe. You're
2: just like, ah, how's this gonna end? And right. of course you know how it's gonna end, but there's that like. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness, uh-huh. is it gonna end? And then it does. And you're oh. happy. Nice. And you can like just you can set the book down and be like, I didn't feel like this was a waste of my time.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Unlike Mark Twain. Unlike, Unlike Mark Twain. Mark
3: <laughs> which Mark. is
2: <laughs> always a waste of time. No, not always, but <laughs> which sometimes or like some authors you're like, you you've slogged through this book. And then you aren't rewarded with anything. Like sometimes, right. like Dickens feels that way. <laughs> oh yeah. Never, I, like you, I never feel that way with Jane, even in the terrible novels. You know, there's at least some yeah. redeeming. But that's why Pride and Prejudice is the best because there's that moment, and there's just there's something for everyone. There's there's no, it's like it's like Girl Scout cookies. You go to that table, <laughs> and there is literally a cookie for every person. That's true. All right, I'm done.
3: I love it. So. I loved Pride and Prejudice, um, the first time I got into it was when it came out in the theaters and I was in college, um, and I was in my first year of college actually, Yeah. and I saw it five times in the theater, yeah! <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> um, and then I, had, I actually had a friend who was like, eh, it wouldn't work because she was total cynical, and the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, and the more I know about relationships, just I yeah. feel like they, they fight too much. And I feel like her, like her sister, would totally stay with Uh, Mr. Bingley because, like, she's that personality, like, gonna make it till the end. But I feel like Elizabeth, like, Mr. Darcy would really have to, like, you know keep it interesting for her to stick around sure. because I feel like after the lust is gone, like, <laughs> that she's just going to be like, I don't know if yes. I want to, eh, you know, cause she's very headstrong. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, think that, you know, the sisters, the sisters' marriage would work out and, uh-huh. and maybe they can make it work. It would just be, it would just be one of those relationships where they like fight and then they have sex. So <laughs> according to a lot of fan fiction,
1: that is. Yeah.
3: So. <laughs> It is. Yeah. I mean, they continue. I mean, this, not that I've read the a problem. lot of Jane Austen fan
1: <laughs> fiction. <laughs> <laughs> there's, not even,
3: there's not even, it doesn't even have to be fan fiction. There's like published works. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're like yeah. legitimized fan <laughs> fiction. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. And like right from the beginning, they're like having sex. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Those are my thoughts. I love
1: it. I love it. So. <laughs> I think we do need to make shirts that say, Lydia is a giant Lydia shoe. Lydia is a giant shoe. Um, but thank you to Christina and Alexa yeah. from our book club. Shout out to you guys. You're awesome. And thanks to Rhonda
0: for figuring out how on earth to get those
1: in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, it was touch and go, but we figured it out.
0: Yeah. By we, she means
1: <laughs> We're she. We're women in
0: STEM. Women. Women in STEM. All right. Um, They're all saying we want Christina and Alexa back.
1: Basically, yeah, you guys should come on the show. Yeah. Um, so I love how Alexa talked about the 2005 uh, movie because yeah. I feel like that was a lot of people's yeah. like introduction to Pride and Prejudice. Absolutely. I mean, it's a good one. It's, right? a, it's a really good um, one. But just uh, there are a couple other, I think, notable yeah. film and TV adaptations. So we had the 1940 movie.
2: Wow. Right. I'm fascinated
1: to see that. I haven't seen uh, it. Oh, you haven't? Oh my gosh. It's interesting. It? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I bet. Wow. It's like not even like close to accurate. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. I will say Laurence Olivier makes a really good Mr. Darcy.
0: Oh, of
1: course that's <laughs> of,
0: of course that who yeah. they cast. Of
1: course. Yeah. Um. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's it's kind of a mess. Honestly, I bet. Honestly. But um, one of my copies of Pride and Prejudice. So uh-huh. I have a collection uh-huh. of copies of Pride and, and Prejudice. And this is after
0: you've weeded it out, right? After I weeded <laughs> it down,
1: I still have like six copies. But one of them is a. Paperback copy from 1940, cool. That was released like in conjunction with the <gasps> film release. Wow. Yeah, and the cover is like pretty wild. Maybe uh-huh. I should post a, a picture yeah. of it on our, on the blog post. I love it's stuff like-, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um. But then we had a a 1980 miniseries. Okay. On the BBC. Sure. And I actually really like it. So. Yeah, um, I had a lit professor in college who um, I actually interviewed her for huh. uh, for an article for my school's magazine. Cool. Um, But I like and I interviewed her about like Jane Austen in pop culture. Like that. Was Ooh, I love was that. And she mentioned that one and she said that like it's it was like her favorite one. I was like, oh, OK, well, it's like lit professor approved. Oh, we just looked up and there's Rory Gilmore. <laughs> Sorry. We're guys. watching Bride and Prejudice right now. And I just looked up in there like Rory Gil what? Yeah, Rory Gilmore's in Bride and Prejudice, guys. So sorry, Rhonda. Keep going. <laughs> and then we have the nineteen ninety five mini series, aka uh-huh. Wet Shirt Colin Firth. And then we have <laughs> the two thousand five film. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I feel like there's something that we maybe need to address. So, like the whole thing about like which one is better—the 1995 sure. or the 2005—I don't think we need to pick sides. Honestly, I really don't like, either. Both wonderful. I.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think that there will always be different takes, and part of being an actor is deciding how you want to play a different character. So it almost takes away from the experience to decide that there's one way to
1: be either of the characters you know, or any of the characters. Absolutely. Um, we we mentioned the stage adaptation a little bit.
0: Where everyone talks like this. And like, it might be that my very first ex-boyfriend was in it and used to brag <laughs> about it all the time that well, I'm like, that's Bleh. just going to have
1: bad associations. Gross. With just, Which I've, Tainted memories.
0: I really don't want anyone to take away my Jane Austen. So we'll just, yeah, I just have bad. I don't know.
1: Um, right, right, right. But then when we get into, I'm too prideful, <laughs> and I'm too prejudiced. <laughs> then when we get into, um, th- uh, like the. You know, kind of literature and then also like film and TV that are not like direct adaptations, but they're somehow like modernized or they're, or it's like a retelling
0: or like heavily influenced. Heavily influenced, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like
1: there are like different tiers of influence that you can see because you have something like, um, I don't know, like uh, Bride and Prejudice, which is like yeah. a very clear, even though it's set in a different culture and in a different time, yeah. it's very clear. Like you can see. One for like, one. It's like kinda. a one for one mm-hmm. translation. Right. But then you have something like like Bridget Jones's Diary, yeah. which is like less, less correlated, I guess.
0: And then kind of takes moments and fleshes them out. Like it takes the miscommunication between um, Darcy and not Collins. Oh, my goodness. Hugh Grant's character and um, Colin Firth's character oh, sure, sure. represent the two where <laughs> Col-
1: Colin Firth would have That's him. That's so funny that Colin Firth played Mr. Darcy and he played the Mr. Darcy analog oh yeah oh yeah
0: it's really it's really i love that part about it um and you in bright in bridget jones you get that bridget jones believes um hugh grant to be so hugh grant and colin firth were best friends and then hugh grant tells bridget jones that he um he was the one who was wronged by darcy but really it was darcy wronged by hugh grant so you get that kind of more fleshed out than it is in some of the movies um so you get those like little moments within the story. A little bit bigger. Yeah. But then you also yeah. get some racism in there. But we'll just move, oh. move right along. Yeah. I do not remember that. It's mm-hmm. been a while
1: since I've seen or read Bridget Jones. So Yeah. Bridget really Jones, the lot.
0: movie, there's some,
1: some racist stuff. All right, cool. Cool. Well, not cool, but you know. Um, <laughs> um, some other ones that I just thought of. We have *Pride and Prejudice* and zombies. Yes, which of course, is a book, and then also was made into a movie. Yes, we love it <laughs> absolutely. Um. Uh, another uh, one that I really liked that just came out pretty recently is um, Pride by E.B. Zaboy. I haven't seen that one. Mm. Yeah, so that is, um, it's a modern retelling, but yeah. it's with teenagers in modern day Brooklyn. And uh-huh. so the Lizzie Bennet character is, um, I think she's uh, an Afro-Latina yeah. 17-year-old girl. Yeah. and um, And, you know, they're kind of like... Like, lower middle class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then there's this uh, wealthy black family moves in across the street and starts, like, um, they, like, remodel their house and make Uh it, like, all brand new Uh and stuff. So it's a really interesting take on, like gentrification yeah. of minority Ooh, neighborhoods i would be really interested yeah, in that. it's yeah. really interesting and you know coming from you know like that i don't know very much about that so yeah it was a really interesting way to kind of learn about um, yeah. that kind of social yeah um like social mm-hmm. aspect of you know kind of what's going on um yeah yeah um, and then another one that I'll just mention, because I haven't... Uh, it's been a long time since I've read it, so I don't remember a lot about it, um, but it's called Heartstone okay. by L. Catherine White. And this is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice, but it's like a fantasy, like a medieval fantasy <laughs> with dragons. <laughs> so ah, That's amazing! It is. Yeah. I remember really liking it a lot. I don't remember like a lot of details though but it kind of makes me want to reread it um yeah. so and then uh were there any others that you had um not that
0: i can think of right now you got a pretty good list there i'm just still thinking about that that pride one
1: that sounds oh, really yeah. yes, good oh yeah yeah it is it was really good i'm going to go really on well amazon done. tonight and yes, get that Do it. do it um and then for film and TV, we talked about Bridget Jones, which that's a book and a movie. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, oh, I love the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Oh, I know. It's, yeah, It ha- I mean, it has like its issues, but I just yeah. feel like it's such a brilliant way to modernize yeah. the story. Yeah. Um, And I watched Lost in Austin in this very living room. We're in Rhonda's living room right
0: now. Oh, you did? I did. When did we watch that? Like a year ago when we couldn't go see like some superhero movie. Oh, we were going to
1: see Thor. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
0: And then we decided. Oh, no. We
1: watched Austin Land. uh, Oh, which one's that? Oh, yeah. Austin Land is the one with Carrie Russell. Oh, yeah. Which it's like not quite Pride and Prejudice, but it's in there. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: the guy from um brett from oh yeah uh, <laughs> from flight of the, the yeah a major part in that so look into that. <laughs> it's a really good one That's austin right. land yeah um
1: bride and prejudice which we are watching right now yeah and then um the lifetime channel just released <laughs> i think like a couple weeks ago pride and prejudice atlanta which Ooh. is um yeah Interesting. so i don't know a lot about it i was trying to find it somewhere online to watch it but i couldn't find it Lifetime Anywhere is a little stingy like, with their like not, sharing
0: yeah they are um, not to call out a major netf- network on <laughs> our um,
1: I love you Lifetime yeah um, especially your Christmas movies um, but, but um, so this also sets it in an African American community mm-hmm. and, um, and if I remember right from what I read um, uh, it's uh, so like Mrs. Bennett is um i think she's a minister oh and she has five daughters yeah sure I don't know if she has five daughters but she has daughters, so daughters. she's trying to mm-hmm. get married off yeah oh um, so, cool yeah it sounds like an interesting yeah take on it and i hope i'll find it somewhere so i can watch it i know um, <laughs> um i just have a link to um, the Huffington Post ranked their like <laughs> top ten Jane Austen modernizations. How do we get that job? I know, man. man. <laughs> like, I feel like I could do that. I, you so could. Well. you'd be amazing um, at it. <laughs> and the list isn't just Pride and Prejudice. There are other Austen works on there. So, like, Clueless is number one on that list. Okay. Uh huh. Like, uh-huh. I totally agree with that. As <laughs> if.
0: Sorry. Whatever.
1: <laughs> oh my god. This is an aliyah. On a whata? <laughs> um yes did you have any others um
0: yeah again you did a pretty good list here um yeah the only one I would add was Austin Land just because I just can't think about
1: Jane Austen without thinking about sure, like sure. well and I mean and it does have Jennifer Coolidge and uh, Jane Seymour so watch it you what's guys. not to love yeah
0: watch it <laughs> I believe that Rhonda has some information about some romance novels. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, um, I just wanted to add that it's really um, a testament to the timelessness and universality of this story. Yeah. Um, It's themes and it's characters that it's been retold in so many different ways yeah in so many different time periods and cultures and even fantasy worlds with dragons and yeah it's still like holds up yeah in every setting that you put it in totally um like we were kind of just talking about bride and prejudice how it was so smart to set the story in a culture that's still Like values marriage, like Mm -hmm. like a lot, versus (laughs) like it's really important, yeah, to to get married in this culture. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Jane Austen fan fiction. I I mean, it's out there, guys. If you want to find Jane Austen fan fiction, you can find it. You go right ahead. It's online. It's in published books. It's there. Um. It's probably on Reddit somewhere. Probably Reddit or <laughs> was fanfiction.net. I uh-huh. may have spent a lot of time on there. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. But I think that uh a lot of um like what we consider like Regency romance novels. Are very like closely linked to Jane Austen yeah, fan fiction. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so well, a lot
0: of fan fiction
1: is a just lot of romance. Fan fiction. That's true. Yeah, it's just taking the two characters that you ship uh-huh. in that in that show or that movie, and then writing their romance. writing their like, romance. <laughs> sometimes very well, and sometimes terribly. Sometimes not. <laughs> sometimes
0: no, thank you, my friend.
1: Um, but. Uh, I did just want to mention the Regency romance genre just because, like, Jane Austen, like, it's basically, you know, comes from a love of Jane Austen. Um, So, um, the Regency era, just FYI. So, um, this is a period when King George III was deemed, um, he was, like, unfit to rule because of, like, his mental state. Oh, um, I didn't even yeah know so that. Know, have you yeah. heard like the madness of King George? Yeah, like I knew yeah. a little bit. Oh, and also fun fact: George the Third was um, the king during the American Revolution, so that's who yeah. like mm-hmm. America was like re- revolting against. Sure. Yeah. Um. So, it, and I apparently that took a toll on him. Um, Yeah, sure. (laughs) um, So during the Regency, his son ruled um, as Prince Regent, Mm -hmm. Regency. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, upon his death, upon George III's death in 1820, the Prince Regent became George IV. Yeah. So the term Regency, um, it refers to like a couple different like periods of time. Yeah. So... um, some like so like the the formal Regency era is just from eighteen eleven to eighteen twenty, which is oh. like the technical when yeah. he was the Prince Regent. Sure, sure. Um but a lot of scholars um kind of include seventeen ninety-five to eighteen thirty-seven. Okay. So that includes the latter part of the reign of George the Third. Yeah. And the reigns of his sons George the Fourth and William the Fourth. Uh-huh. And then um, 1837 is when Queen Victoria became queen. Right. So they say that's kind of when Regency ended and the Victorian period started. So sure, sure. Jane Austen is not Victorian, you guys. Don't let anyone no, tell you don't, she is. No, no. Fake news. <laughs> um, and so uh, that's just like, that was maybe more detail than you needed about the Regency I era. I loved it. I loved just, it. But just like for some context, is uh, that because why it's that called? was. Oh no, go ahead. Is that why it's called Regency AMC? Because you're
0: supposed to yes, fall in love in there?
1: Exactly. Okay. Sorry. Because that's when <laughs> that's this is like the period when Jane Austen's novels were being published. That eighteen eleven mm-hmm. to eighteen twenty. Yeah. That's like exactly her her time yeah. of publish, of publication. Sure. Um and actually the Prince Regent was a fan of hers. Aww. And he like wanted to meet her. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if he ever did. I, I love I don't that. remember. I'll I'll have to look that up. Maybe he was another Never. suitor of hers. <laughs> oh. I think he was married, so Oh well. Um <laughs> and kind of a not nice person. Not a good um, guy, yeah. So this brings me to Georgette Heyer. Yeah. So she was a novelist um in the early twentieth century. Um she wrote a lot of historical romance, but she also wrote like mysteries and thrillers. Cool. Um so she was writing before, um, you know, like in the 1920s. Um, but then in 1935, she wrote a book called Regency Buck, which is the first one she wrote that took place in that Regency period. Yeah. And that essentially established the Regency romance subgenre. Right. Which is like still really popular today. Like if you look up like historical romances on... Amazon or whatever, yeah. like a lot of them are going to be Regency romances. Like, yeah, this is like sure <laughs> the period that that people apparently want to write about. Um, <laughs> so um, so we have this. Uh, let's see, who wrote this? Pamela Regis um, wrote a book called A Natural History of the Romance Novel. I love it. I love it too. Um, so she talks about how um georgia hires regency romances were inspired by the works of jane austen sure sure. um and of course austen's novels are set in that era yeah um but it's important to note austen's works were contemporary novels so they describe the time in which she lives right um but according to regis's work um because Hire's stories take place amidst events that occurred over 100 years before she was writing, she had to include more detail on the period in order for her readers to understand it. Yeah. So while Austen could ignore what she calls the minutiae of dress and decor, yep. Hire included those details to invest the novels with the tone of the time. Sure. So, and I, I think, like, I... I would suspect, I don't know this for sure, but I would suspect that that was kind of um, like when historical fiction in general was starting to pick up. Yeah. Because if you had like, well, I mean, I guess like The Scarlet Letter technically is is a historical novel. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think that like early 20th century. Um, is when that really started too, yeah. and you know it was because people still loved Jane Austen, yeah, and wanted to relive her time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I would even, I would even argue that the entire like romance genre started, or or at least was popularized because of Jane Austen. I would agree, um, and in particular, Pardon and Prejudice*, because yeah everyone's favorite right it's everyone's favorite <laughs> well, I mean, um it's, it's actually not my favorite yeah but what's your I favorite mean, my favorite is Northanger Abbey which nobody else seems to like I haven't read it I should read it I have you a lot of free time it. this summer but I mean I own nine copies of Bride and Prejudice so That's you fun. tell me so you can read it nine times <laughs> perfect
0: so that when I, that kind of segues perfectly into what I was thinking about with Pride and Prejudice. So um I thought a lot about the small town community um or mentality of like Stars Hollow. Exactly. The the Stars Hollow framework um that reminds me so much of the social world of Pride and Prejudice. So those smaller social communities that are at the forefront of Pride and Prejudice um remind me of two of my favorite books from my I wouldn't even say young adult life from my teenage years. Um, I thought of young adult novels because of the giddiness of Kitty of Kitty. Kittya. That's what hey. we call them. <laughs> of that's, their, that's their celebrity couple name. <laughs> Kitty. So because of the giddiness of Kitty and Lydia. And then, you know, even the conversations between Jane and Lizzie have that more mature excitement to them. But they also have that moment, those moments of giddiness, like in the 2005 movie where they're underneath the sheets of their bed and they're just kind of. They Mr. know
1: Bingley's just what a young man ought to be.
0: Exactly. So <laughs> I think it's. it's... And some clever, conveniently rich. Oh, Bingley. I love him. Um, I think when it's nice to see those moments when Jane and Lizzie don't have to be the mature older sisters for Kitty, they can be. How they might have been. How do been. we, like, add Mary into that? Macidia, Macidia. Oh, I love it. Mary-Kate and Kidia um, <laughs> And there's... I would even argue that there's a giddiness to Lizzie's um, cynicism and her quick-witted responses yeah they're a little bit like, like they she's
1: like putting on this air of cynicism mm-hmm. but she's having fun yeah like she's a little word like that's who i am me
0: too yes that's fun in life right <laughs> yeah. to be, it, it's the lorelei gilmore kind <laughs> of um except maybe you speak a little um less quickly mm, sure <laughs> so i think unless i'm super caffeinated, like right now. Oh, yeah. Like the beginning of this episode when we're both like, coffee! Um, coffee, coffee, coffee! <laughs> so the, the McKidia and the Jane and Lizzie remind... Chizzy? No, that's it. A... No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, we didn't <laughs> no, no. mean it. Internet, we didn't mean it. Um, so these kind of differentiated responses to romance remind me of some of my favorite young adult novels from my early to late teens, which is then also when I was having my first, like, crushes on boys, so they, like, it was a fun way to explore that. Ooh, boys. Ooh, boys, they're gross. So I'm gonna just talk about one of my favorite young adult novelists. Love it. Miss Sarah Dessen is a young adult novelist who focuses On these coming-of-age stories, which remind me of Pride and Prejudice, Um, I promise that I'm not only talking about this because Sarah Dessen just released a brand-new novel this month, and I scored a first-edition signed
1: copy from Target, you guys. You know what? I have have a signed copy of The Bear and the Nightingale by Katherine Arden, Uh and she signed it for me herself, (sighs) and I met her, and we got a picture together, and we're best friends now.
0: Sarah Dessen only goes to the South. I would like her to please come here because I've been reading her since I was 15, you know? Um, So Sarah Dessen has written upwards of 15 to 20 young adult novels, which follow a very similar plot. Not quite that marriage plot, but certainly the relationship plot. Sure, sure. Because you can't have like
1: 15-year-olds getting married. Yeah. Unless it's early 19th century.
0: It's not a good look for right now, um, <laughs> although do, do you? Um, the books are very different, and each one has a nuance, but there is a common kind of structure that a girl of about 15 or 16 either moves to a small town for their senior year of high school or moves to a southern beach town for the summer. Um, either of those two life events happen and renders the lead character a social newcomer who is entering the social world of their new location. Um, It's the reaction to that social sphere in these books that reminds me so much of Lizzie Bennett in Pride and Prejudice. Um, The girls in these stories are often being told that they should find a boyfriend or make friends at school or try harder to fit in into a social scene of their new surroundings, which they really don't want to be a part of um, for some some reason in a similar way that Lizzie Bennett doesn't she makes fun of her doesn't want to
1: conform exactly just for the sake of conforming
0: exactly especially like with her adults telling her to Um, and these leading women are always, yeah, just really uninterested and they often have that quick wit of Lizzie. Um and the other aspect that's reminiscent for me is that when we meet the lead soon to be love interest, he is usually abhorrent to the leading lady. <laughs> we, well, that sounds familiar. I know. Um, We hear the monologue in the leading lady's head. She's always the... So it's like first person. Yeah. She's always the first person narrator. Um, And we always hear a lot about this mysterious and often pompous or rude or kind of just misunderstood um, leading man. Um, And the two obviously find their ways into each other's lives and grow to understand one another in a way that other people don't understand them. Which then leads to their love connection. So it, it really reminds me of Darcy and and Lizzie.
1: Um, and I just because yeah, I do feel like Dar- like nobody understands Darcy except Elizabeth, and Absolutely. nobody understands Elizabeth on the same level that Darcy does. Absolutely, like, for sure.
0: And especially yeah. they're especially like. Um, Saint Anything is one where this is specifically true. Um, there are two characters who are really big outcasts and they find their ways to each other, um, having that connection that no one else understands. Um, so yay, sorry, I love you so much. Um, and then, um... Another thing I think of when I think of Pride and Prejudice is that social commentary and like manners play aspect of it. Um, And I think about the small community mentality where everyone knows everyone and no one could hide their private business. Um, And the community in Pride and Prejudice is very much this way for me. Um, especially because of that scarcity of kind of good men that we talked about in the beginning of this episode. Right. that's like, why people married cousins. Yeah, they you know, the families in Pride and Prejudice had to remain heavily involved in the social scene of the town in hopes that their sons and daughters would achieve that marriage goal as we were talking about. And in Sarah Desson's novels um, this obsessive note taking of what everyone else in the community is doing is placed within the small town backdrop of someone entering the community and everyone else wanting to figure out what on earth this girl is about. Um, and as a girl from a small town, I know that it's it's really true. <laughs> it's pretty dang true that everyone needs to know everyone else's business. And then another book I thought of was uh, that I loved as a kid um, was Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging.
1: Oh, I feel like I saw that at the library yeah. for like two years straight. It oh, was yeah. like on the Select Reads shelf and I was like... I'm not reading that. That's like what everyone's reading.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. And it was. um, Because that's just how I was.
1: No, I I was like that annoying teenager who thought I was cool because I didn't do what everyone else was
0: doing. I had the same reaction to um, Blink-182. I was like, ew, I like Sum 41. I don't like Blink-182. I
1: was like, I like Foreigner. (laughs)
0: So Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging by Louise Renison. It's a whole series, but that's the very first book. And it's another social commentary series that I was obsessed with when I was growing up. There are many of these books, and they follow the um, diary entries of a high school student growing up in London. And we follow her through absurd high school coming-of-age events such as first dates or school dances as we read her diary. And the lead character and her group of friends remind me of a modern-day Kidia. They are giddy. They are obsessed with the boys who attend their school and very much pretending to know how on earth courting and romantic relationships work. Even though they're 16. Even though they're 16. They, I just, I love how um, Louis Renison captures the giddy and overjoyed introduction to these romantic relationships and kind of how when you have your first romance, you really are pretending like, oh, obviously I know how to kiss a boy, it's fine. When really it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) what am I doing? Um it's yeah. And I just, um I think these books are such a joyful expression of what it is to be in that time in your life when you're fifteen or sixteen, um, and what it feels like to be very much involved in innocent courtships. You know, very much like, oh my gosh, he looked at me, you guys We're gonna get married.
1: We touched hands. Oh my gosh, he's so cute. And then like nothing happens. Um, <laughs> like I just think of that scene in the 2005 version where Lydia like tosses her handkerchief, hoping that one of the soldiers will pick it yeah, up for her, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then no one does, and she's just like,
0: <gasps> "I can't <sighs> believe it." <laughs> <sighs> and you know, it does make me. I have to talk about this. It does make me sad though, because in this, when this was a modern. Story, And the girls were allowed that very innocent first foray, whereas Lydia is robbed of that. And Lydia really gets just an awful time of it. So I think Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging is the more innocent um, version of that story. And it's very much a commentary, again, on those ridiculous people within her community and her high school teachers who were all made fun of because it's her diary. So it's really <laughs> personal. So definitely read Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging. Well, maybe I will. Yeah. It up. I mean, I haven't read it in 10 years. So it's very much for like young adults. But it was funny. For like
1: teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yes. So transitioning from... Literature into film and TV. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice have a huge influence on romantic comedy. Yeah. Film genre. Um, But looking into kind of the, like, what came in between... Jane Austen's novels in the early 19th century and our romantic comedy films in the late 20th century. Like there's a lot of years in between. Right. There, so it's not like we just leaped from one to the other. Right. Right. <laughs> like, um, so looking at kind of what came in between, I thought of um, well, uh, the plays of Oscar Wilde. Yeah, especially the his comedies like sure. the importance of being earnest. Yeah, um, I think Lady Windermere's Fan maybe a little okay. bit. Yeah, kinda, it's not as comedic, but it's still kind of in that kind of romance comedy yeah. kind of vein. Um, and then also a little bit later, we have playwrights like Noel Coward mm-hmm. and George Bernard Shaw, yeah, who have that maybe not as maybe you're not seen as much of a romantic comedy but still have that like kind of wit Uh and that kind uh of playfulness yeah um that I think really um really characterizes Jane Austen
0: and the social commentary yeah yeah
1: exactly um and then um we get to the romantic comedy films (laughs) of I would say, like, 1930s through 1950s yeah. or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That era where we had, like, Catherine Hepburn uh-huh. and Cary Grant. Yeah. And uh, so, well, like, that's a classic pairing. Uh, Catherine, right. Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. But then we also have Catherine Hepburn with Humphrey Bogart. Uh-huh. Um, but I always liked her with Cary Grant more. I feel like they have... <laughs> They're more Lizzie and Darcy s. Sure, their, sure, like sure. Especially like the Philadelphia story. Yeah, That's the, I love the Philadelphia story. Yeah, um, and uh, oh, and bringing up baby. Oh my I gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, I, so I have this weird thing about like movies that were made well the 60s still had some good movies but I feel like movies that were made in the 70s I just cannot watch them yeah (laughs) I don't know why I get um but then we start having um kind of like a rom-com like renaissance almost in uh-huh. like the 90s and early 2000s I would sure say. yeah um that was you know like the meg ryan era uh-huh. the julia roberts uh-huh. era um and you know you've got um like you've got mail yes is kind of in that which i like waffled back and forth on whether you've got mail is like a pride and prejudice retelling or not okay i'm not sure if it's
3: Okay. I mean,
1: like they talk about Pride and Prejudice in there Uh uh because that's like Meg Ryan's favorite book, and of course, and and then like she like tells Tom Hanks about it, and then like later when he sees her reading it, and he's like, "Oh, I bet you just love that, Mister Darcy, don't you?" And you're (laughs) wondering if if what's her name? What's who who is that again? If Elizabeth is going to end up with Mister Darcy? (laughs) Oh my goodness, Tom Hanks! I know he's kind of a jerk in that movie, quite honestly. I don't know um <laughs> um but yeah I uh and you know I think that the rom-coms of that of especially like that late 90s kind uh-huh. of era were yeah. characterized by that kind of banter between yes. the two love interests and that kind of like yeah. at you know like when they first meet they're kind of like, I don't know, with each other mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, they they like argue, yeah, when they first meet and don't really get along. Um, and then they kind of eventually, you know, see the good in each other and, and fall in right. love, right which is what you know, that's yeah, yeah, that's pride and prejudice. Um, yeah, so you've got male. I, I um had as like <laughs> rom-coms that live in that nebulous zone that are <laughs> not really direct adaptations but draw very strong parallels more so than the average rom-com right so have you've got mail i also put crazy rich asians in that uh-huh category uh-huh. um this actually isn't something that i noticed the first time well i didn't notice it when i read the book i didn't notice it <laughs> when I first saw the movie, but I just recently rewatched the movie. Okay. And I was like, this is pride and prejudice. Like what? Yeah, the heck? sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's, it's well, crazy rich Asians is different. Uh, like as a rom-com in general, because the couple has already met and it's right. during, like the middle of their relationship. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like their relationship dynamic is really similar. And that social dynamic is really like kind of a modern version of, um, of that social dynamic in pride and prejudice with the woman, um, you know, being very strong and independent, but coming from a background that's seen as like less than to, you know, the family and the social circle of, of the man. Yeah. Um, and then, um, Having, you know, his his mother and his grandmother kind of play that Lady Catherine role in yeah, kind of trying to totally. keep them apart and keep them separated. Um, and then, you know, he, well, at least in the movie, he, um, you know, kind of decides, you know, I he doesn't have to conform to right. like his, you know. Like what his, well, it's funny in, in Pride and Prejudice, I think that like the whole thing about Darcy having to conform to his social circle, I feel like that's all in his head. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, in Crazy Rich Asians, like you do kind of have that kind of breaking away from the social norm. Right. That, you know, is really just arbitrary. Yeah. Like there's no reason for these. Yeah. You know, strange social. Like, sure things uh, please stop me from because I'm like rambling now <laughs> no
0: he kind of reminds me of a Bingley a little bit maybe like yeah. a Bingley and Jane somewhere in there maybe they're like a
1: hybrid of yeah maybe almost. they are yeah yeah I like that interpretation
0: I'm just thinking of his um his airplane
1: monologue where he
0: I'm gonna ruin the ending, you guys. Go on. well. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. That airplane monologue reminds me of a bingley, you know. But then there's also those, yeah, those social hierarchies. Yeah, totally. I can totally see those, um, those traces of of influence. Right. Yeah, I love it. I like it. Um, have you thought of any other things that I have? Mm-hmm. So
1: on a recent. <laughs> My current rewatch of Parks and Recreation Aww, all year, every year. Yeah, <laughs> um, I noticed Leslie and Ben have a very Lizzie and Darcy like yeah. dynamic um, at the beginning of their relationship. Totally. So um, when so that whole storyline starts when. Ben and Chris come into town uh-huh. to like fix the town's budget, right? Um, and Ben comes in to like cut the parks budget, which of course Leslie is like, "What?" Like revolts. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, "Um, no, sir." Um, and they, <laughs> I, I just like rewatched the scene where, um. Leslie and Ron are sitting in the conference room with Ben uh-huh. and he's like opening his ledger uh-huh. and Leslie's like, I really like your shirt. And he like cuts her off and he's like, we're going to have to make cut Yeah. 30% of them. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and she, and she just gets this look on her face. Like, I can't believe I how, can't rude, this believe how rude this guy is. Um, I was and gonna then, share a waffle with Yeah, you. and then she even tells Ron, like later on at one point, um, when they're talking about Ben, um, she says to him, like, he's he's rude and pompous and he's no fun. Yeah. Which is exactly how Lizzie feels about Darcy. Totally. I um, love this. <laughs> um, and then um I think Leslie and Ben come to a mutual respect a lot more quickly sure. than Lizzie and Darcy do. But I think that um well, and, I mean, that's because, like, it's not liter- like, literally a retelling of Pride uh-huh. and Prejudice. But I think it can also be explained by, like, some factors that have to do with, like, how culture has shifted. So, yeah. um, Leslie and Ben have more opportunity to actually interact with each other sure. than Lizzie and Darcy would have. Sure. Um, but then, Anne and Chris are Jane and Bingley. <gasps> So they are. We, so, um, like I said, like that whole situation arises from you know Leslie and Anne are living in Pawnee, this small little town. Yeah, and uh, Chris and Ben come in from uh-huh. the big city, and they're like kind of the big shot guys, totally right. Which is like Bingley and Darcy yeah. coming into Um I love it. So I especially thought of this. Um, This episode where um, Chris and Anne go on their first date. Uh And Leslie, of course, is being Leslie. And she's trying to, like, get Anne to ask Chris to, like, help out the Parks Department budget. Um, So she's, like, trying to keep them together on the date. Um, And then Ben catches on to Uh what Leslie's doing. And so he follows her to, like, I guess, try to, like get her to kind of back off totally trying to protect chris totally much like darcy thought Uh that he was protecting bingley by keeping him and jane apart that is brilliant i know i am brilliant um (laughs) i love it and then we also have so um when uh when chris Leaves for Indianapolis uh-huh. and like breaks up with Anne, but she doesn't realize that he broke up with Aww. her and he leaves. Yeah. I think that's a lot like when, when, um, Bingley and Darcy and Caroline like all leave and yeah. well, and Mr. And Mrs. Hurst, they all leave Netherfield and yeah. they just kind of like send Jane a note. let just like, Oh, this is over oh, by the way. Yeah. Bye. I gotta go. <laughs> that's kind of a similar yeah. way to totally. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, Tom is Mr. Collins. Oh, he is, huh? I feel like Tom wants to be Wickham. Desperately. But he's actually Collins. He is Collins, yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, Mr. Darcy is also kind of Ron. Yeah. Um, but then Ron could also be Mr. Bennett. Uh-huh, I feel uh-huh. like there's a similar- similarity there. Um, so... I was trying to, like, think of who the other characters in Parks and Rec would be in Pride and Prejudice. Not Like, not all of them really work. Sure. But... Um,
0: Andy is Lydia. Andy
1: Obviously. is Lydia. Obviously. And April is Mary.
0: Yes. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Or would April be Caroline?
0: Ooh, I, I like that, too. I
1: don't know. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, so there's apparently, like a lot of memes that make the connection as well. (laughs) Oh. So I have some links to a couple of, uh, of um, like articles that have (laughs) these memes where they've like put um, like... Lines of dialogue from Parks and Rec, like over screen grabs <laughs> from Pride and Prejudice, and they fit like perfectly. That's it's amazing. almost like that, um, the Pride and Prejudice Gilmore Girls style video. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll that. link those and you guys yeah. can check those out. Erin, you can check them out too. I'm excited, I am too. <laughs> I, I love Parks and Rec, and I love Pride and Prejudice. Oh, and it's Oops. called, I think they called it. Pride and recreation <laughs> or P- Parks and Prejudice. That's so funny. <laughs> something like that. Oh, I love it. Um. So I have do you do you have this too? Some qualms. Some qualms. Got some qualms. So when something is as popular as Pride and Prejudice, uh-huh. um, Sometimes unfortunate things happen. It's true, and these are some of our pet peeves. <laughs> we have some pet peeves surrounding
0: Pride and Prejudice. We do, so, yeah. Um,
1: so the first one I just titled:
0: Why does Hallmark ruin everything? Again, unless you guys want to be a sponsor, and then we are into. Talks. We refuse. Um, <laughs> oh wow, Hallmark and <laughs> like
1: Lizzie refuse. Hallmark offers is a our marriage. Mr. Darcy. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, so last Christmas I gave you my heart. Wow. Um, Hallmark released <laughs> a movie that was like it's like a Pride and Prejudice Christmas movie. I'm <laughs> like, why are you trying to What's make happening, you guys? Pride and Prejudice
0: a Christmas story. Well, it snows in there. Does it? No, <laughs> no, that's just their thinking.
1: They're like, <laughs> well, at the very end of the novel, it says that like the gardeners are going to come to Pemberley for Christmas. Ta-da. Oh, so obviously, I mean, <laughs> Christmas.
2: Yeah. yeah, I just,
1: I mean, like it's kind of like indicative of like a a greater pet peeve, uh-huh. which is like taking. Pride and Prejudice, which Uh is, again, you know, something that a lot that is really popular. A lot of people love it. A lot of people, even if they're not, even if like they haven't read it, they're at least familiar with it. And so they recognize this story. And it's just taking that name, almost like that Uh brand. Name drop. And yeah, name dropping it Uh to sell whatever crap movie you wrote for for the Hallmark Channel. Dang it, Hallmark! And you- it just—I mean, Lifetime does it too. It's true. I mean, I haven't seen *Pride and Prejudice* Atlanta yet, but I've like from what I've read, it's actually good. Right. But yeah, it's just you guys. You guys. It's right. Okay. Can
0: you go on your own laurels can instead you- <laughs> of like Jane Austen doesn't know you're trying to use her information to sell your money. Sell your money. (laughs) That make your money.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah. What about this next one? Ooh,
0: yeah, the Darcy problem. Are you
1: thinking of examples?
0: I am. So. (laughs) Yeah. Not every unpleasant, moody male romantic lead has to be Mister Darcy. Yeah. Like
1: Edward Cullen is not Mister Darcy. no, No. And if, if Not you, even close. If
0: you try to tell me that Bella Swan is Jane Austen, <laughs> I will leave the table and I will not return, frankly. Which leads us to not every strong, witty female protagonist is Lizzie Bennet.
1: That's true. No. Yeah. I mean, I understand, like, the impulse to make that comparison because it's something that people recognize and people love. Uh-huh. But... We need to be more creative, you guys. Yeah, we do, you guys. Okay. And also, why is every single freaking book that takes place in the Regency era described as Pride and Prejudice meets blank? (laughs) Yeah. Like why? What? You guys it's and I mean the answers to all of these are this is something people recognize. Mm-hmm. We want to sell it. has something like very small in common with it. So we'll yeah. like the the book that I'm reading right now. It's wonderful. It's this, yeah. uh saucer to the crown by Zen Cho. Uh-huh. Check it out, guys. Um, and it happens to take place in Regency, England. Other than that, it bears absolutely no similarity to Pride and Prejudice. Yet there are at least three blurbs on the cover Referencing Pride and Prejudice or Jane Austen. Unacceptable. Like, uh, let, I mean, really. Let the work speak for itself, <laughs> right? Like, Right. Just say, it's Regency England, guys. Look if how great this is. If people don't know what, it, what Regency England is, they can Google it. Frankly, we don't want them here.
0: <laughs> if you don't know, then you had better find out before you read this. Uh, and, and then, yeah. Finally... Why is every single historical romance movie compared to Pride and Prejudice? Why? 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 Just because it Just happened s- in history and mm-hmm. people fall in love does not mean that they're
1: Lizzie and Darcy, you guys. Nope. Nope.
0: Mm-mm.
1: I feel like we're ending this very negatively.
0: You know what? I feel negatively.
1: Yeah. The world
0: needs to know. <laughs> you know what? But someone, <laughs> someone who just found out that she was Mister Darcy. I am. I'm Mister Darcy. You are Mister Darcy. I am offended that everyone, every single romance in history, thinks that it can follow my my romance.
1: No. Nope. Yeah. Well, and I mean, offended. offended. To be fair, we have just spent like an hour talking about how Pride and Prejudice has influenced so much. Yeah. In pop culture, so I mean. This may seem like counterintuitive, maybe, to say, like, no, these things are not Pride and Prejudice. Sure. But I think it would be undiscerning mm-hmm. to just be like, willy nilly, oh, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, by the way. This is Pride and Prejudice. And this is, and you get a Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> and you get a Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> exactly. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, you guys, you know us. We're really bad at ending. We are.
1: Um, And we also, like, so Bride and Prejudice is over now, and the DVD menu has been on for like half an hour. It's a short movie.
0: It is. If you you have, like, not a lot of time and you don't know what to watch, you should watch Bride and Prejudice. Yeah, watch Bride and Prejudice. It's really good.
1: It is good. Oh, I like how in Bride and Prejudice they combined Kitty and Lydia into one character. Uh huh. But they didn't call her kiddie-a. Missed opportunity. Totally. Dang it. Um. Well, yeah. So that is Pride and Prejudice. Um, What's our next episode going to be, Rhonda? Oh, well... Is it going to be a- we, Well, should we tell them ab- about our next bonus episode? Or do you want to tell them about our next Literature Summer episode? You
0: already knew. I guess we already told you. But our next... Oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could... Well, it'll
1: be a surprise. Yeah, we're going to do we're a bonus episode you. in a couple yeah. weeks. Yeah, don't um, worry about And it. then after that, we have a live episode. Gonna be talking
0: live. About Hamlet. To be or not to be, that
1: is the question. Woo! I'd I feel have... like Hamlet sounds like it could be like a breakfast sandwich. Ooh, I, yeah. So. <laughs> I'd have a Hamlet. Mm. Yeah, I'll take uh, three Hamlets and a hash brown to go. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> sounds <laughs> delicious. So yeah, we're gonna talk about uh, uh, Hamlet by William Shakespeare and its yeah. cultural influence. And
0: please don't be like some people get this weird fear of Shakespeare. He's just another guy writing yeah. about stuff. Don't be scared. Yeah. I
1: mean, we're gonna talk about like The Lion King uh-huh. and Star Wars. So yeah, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. It's gonna where is it gonna be, Aaron? It's going to be at King's Books in Tacoma, Tacoma, Washington. So go ahead and go to our blog, yeah, the popdna.blog. And We've it's got, free. It's free. Yeah. You should come early and maybe like buy a book or two. And there might and be like hard. snacks and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to, someone will have to coordinate that. <laughs> I can I do it. Okay. I like snacks. <laughs> cool. All right. Perfect. So you heard it here. Erin's going to bring snacks. I am to our live episode which be- will be Saturday July 20th. Yeah, at 7 p.m. Yeah. So come join us. Yeah. And we'll see you then, guys. We really like you guys.
0: Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.